Imagine starting your next race. You're strong, confident, and ready to tackle the race course and distance. You have the training, the fitness, and the endurance for your race. Is this something you want? You can have it without personalized programming and communication from a coach. Elevate Your Running beginner and intermediate training plans are now available in the base, 5K, 10K, half, and marathon distances on elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. We are in an in-between time between a goal racing and maybe winter training. So the base plan is such a great opportunity to stay in shape, hold your fitness, maintain fitness, gain fitness, and start your training cycle feeling strong. It's a huge game changer to start a training cycle feeling strong. These plans are constructed with the Elevate coaching philosophy and the proven workouts past athletes have ran to achieve results while running strong, happy, and confident. Each plan contains a downloadable run terminology guide, nutrition and fueling guide, suggested strength training exercises, along with the Elevate YouTube channel, and a race day planner sheet. It's the pro coaching you want for less than a 12-pack of your favorite gels. You can download your plan right now at elevateyourrunning.com forward slash download dash training dash plans. I'm so excited for this episode. It's episode 94. Austin and I bring back and are honored to chat with Maddie K from Maddie K Runs. Um, we had a great conversation talking about coming back from injury the Berlin Marathon, what he has coming up next. If you listened to his previous episode earlier this spring, he was going for some big goals and he had a few setbacks in training. So we definitely dived into that and how he flowed through it. And I think it's such a good episode for anyone who is going through maybe a season in life where it's not um, it's not linear. It's not falling into place exactly how you were hoping it would. So um, we hope you love this episode and enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 94 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Mandershed. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today we have a very special guest with us. He was on the podcast earlier this year. Maddie, Maddie K runs on Instagram. You may remember him from his first episode with us. We talked about so much on that episode and we are so excited to have him back. We, Austin and I have been tracking him, following, giving him kudos, giving him likes, some taps on Instagram, all the things um, in his prep this summer. He uh, will share more about what he's been up to, but we're really excited for this check-in kind of episode because he has kind of gone through some things that aren't sunshine and rainbows. So we're going to talk through that and how he flowed through it and how he's creating wins and all of that great stuff today. Very, very excited for this conversation. Before we begin, we're going to start with uh, an elevated moment in Austin. I'd love for you to kick it off with your elevated moment of the week. And hi, how you, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to keep my elevated moment really simple uh, so we can save time for this podcast. But it is race week. Um, finally yeah. here. We've arrived. Sarah, I'm going to see you in Indianapolis later this week. 
Um, so just really excited for that. That's definitely given me a lot of energy, a little bit of uh, anxious energy maybe, but all in all feeling great. Uh, Matt Carl, welcome back to the podcast, man. I would love to hear <laughs> your elevated moment. Well, thank you guys for having me. And first off, so excited for you both for race week here. Exciting to see two PRs on Saturday. But my elevated moment will be getting back into running, starting a marathon prep, fully healthy. This is uh, starting week two of 12 for Disney marathon prep. And we'll get into it later on. But I think just getting back into running, feeling good running is my elevated moment and just enjoying it again. Heck yeah, that's beautiful. It's like such a gift that we get to wake up, put on our shoes and go out the door and run. And I think when you get into a season of, of being healthy and you're consistent, you're going out there, it's very, very easy to take it for granted. And as soon as the niggle pops up or a full blown injury happens, um, it's, it can be devastating. So it's really great that you're back into it and you're feeling the love, you're feeling the running vibes, the endorphins, you're, lacing up the niggy pegasus and you're getting out the door (laughs) i love it sarah what about you what is your elevated moment of the week um mine is that it's race week and i'm really excited i'll be in indianapolis with austin i'm racing the half austin's racing the full it's going to be amazing it looks a little warm but that's okay we're still going to crush a little bit warm for me, maybe not for Austin. And um, it's just going to be a really great weekend of celebrating running, the running community, and hopefully just running strong and seeing the hard work um, that we've put in over a very long time uh, really come to light and kind of come to the surface. And I really want to show my coach that I have done something in training with her over the last 15 months. Um, I think I mentioned this on the podcast earlier this summer. She's like, you have gotten so much faster and you're so much stronger and you have absolutely nothing to show for it. So (laughs) we're going to show something in Indy. It's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be great. I'm excited. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. the, the energy is high today. Um, <laughs> Matt, Carl, I want to shift the, the conversation back to you. As Sarah mentioned, we've definitely been keeping tabs on you. You're a really fun follow uh, on social media. I say social media because that includes obviously Instagram, but I think Strava uh, flies under the radar for a lot of people and you're a fun follow on Strava too. So um, we've been following you and I think for a lot of people, you know, the the Berlin marathon performance that you put forth and, and really just the way that you document that travel and experience um, was really cool to see, especially for me, never really considering like traveling out of country for a major marathon until I kind of saw you do it. And I'm like, man, that does look really fun. Um, so tell us a little bit about the experience. How was Berlin for you this year? Yeah, so going back all the way to December, I think it was December 2nd, I got the email that I got in through the lottery. And I just put my name in all of the major lotteries just to like, see what happens if I get in, maybe I'll do it, maybe I'll just defer. And when I got into Berlin, I was like, I'm going, this is gonna be my race for the year. And was super excited. I remember I December 3rd, went and got my passport renewed, I was ready to go. 
And this was like, this was the race of the year. Everything was good. It was all roads lead to Berlin. I think I used that before Kim Joby used it. And Nike stole it on the campaign, but we can talk about that later on. So I remember saying like all roads lead to Berlin and all winter and spring, like I rarely raced and I was just like logging a ton of miles. Like I think we worked all the way up to like 93, 94 miles, which the goal was to hit a hundred during the Berlin prep, which we never ended up doing, but logged a ton of miles, like really got into running doubles, which was like the first time I was ever doing that. So I was running like 10 in the morning, four at night and felt really, really good up until basically prep started. And I was doing a 10 week prep instead of a 12, just because I was already fit, didn't feel like I needed to do that full long prep and feel burnt out at the end. And I think a mix of just the summer weather, really no breaks in the winter or spring like I went into it and like I was just like going through the motions like I was still running 14 miles a day 10 in the morning for at night and if I could just feel like my body slowly breaking down and like I used to say to myself like survive in advance survive in advance like each day and this was early on in the prep like week two and week three and I was still running really well and I felt fit and the goal was still like to run the 250 but I just wasn't like as fresh as I definitely have been in past preps. And then on day 23, it was, it was the start of week four and it was just a normal 10 mile easier on, on a Wednesday. And I was going up a hill and I just felt my leg like feel weird. And I was like, Oh, this is weird. Like finished the run, but like had to stop multiple times during it. And at that point it was just like, everything just kind of just halted like my leg felt super weird I had never had this kind of pain before it wasn't really my shin but it wasn't my ankle it was like that muscle that connects the ankle and the shin it was like an anterior tibialis injury so mm-hmm. I stopped and immediately got an x-ray on it just to see if there was any like damage and there was nothing on the x-ray that showed anything so went to PT the next day. I mean, the goal was, I just wanted to see what was wrong, how we could fix it as fast as possible. Because at this point, I was still like, go, go, go. I need to finish this prep, run the 250. And I went to PT and they basically just laid it all out for me saying like, this is not something that's going to just heal overnight. This is going to take time. It was super inflamed at the time. And it just was like one of those things that he's like, we're going to have to do this three times a week for the next like six weeks and then we'll be able to see what's going to happen from there so at that point I kind of accepted it I mean it was one of those things where it was obviously devastating knowing that I'm probably not going to run for the next six to seven weeks if I'm going to run Berlin or not but I kind of just went into it being like the positive person that I always have been and wanted to just like shift it in the aspect of instead of like I'm not going to be running but I'm going to show you how positive you can be and do other things like cross training and that can get you still to your goal. So everything shifted from that moment to let's just cross train as hard as we can and go to physical therapy and just do all the little things correctly. And that's what we kind of did. So PT started the next day, three times a week. Um, I bought a Peloton that night (laughs) being an impulse buy and, uh, 
we set that baby up in my living room in my 700 square feet apartment. And I don't think anyone else was happy about that but me, but we just rode the Peloton. Pretty much I rode, I became obsessed with the Peloton the way I was obsessed with running. And I think it was in a good way and a bad way. It definitely made me really miss running. Like I used to go on the Peloton and be like, I hate this thing, but I knew I had to do it. But it made me also understand that I had so many weaknesses in my running, whether that was not stretching, not warming up correctly, mm-hmm. not cooling down, none of that. Like I, my warm up would be like a five minute jog to get going on an easy run or something. So I think learning from physical therapy and just learning all of that really helped. And we can segue into more stuff from that. But that's kind of the gist of the Berlin prep. So we I didn't run at all for in August. So I got her August 2nd. And my first run after that was September 2nd. So I logged 10 miles total, which was that day that I got her in August. And the rest were done on the bike. That's incredible. How many miles did you log on the bike? So I became really obsessed with the bike. I'm just going to pull up my Mm -hmm. Strava just to see what the actual numbers were. So I'm not like making them up. So I started riding on the bike on August 3rd. So we ran 165 miles, 176, 185, and then 210 for four weeks straight. Wow, that's wild. And that's so I was biking pretty much 20 to 25 in the morning. And then I was biking like a 10 to 15 at night, seven days. Yeah. So to put this into context, you were training, you were training year round. It's, it seems likely like yeah. you didn't have an off season. You went into Berlin prep 10 weeks, which is a little bit on the shorter side, but you can do that as an athlete if you are fit. And if you have been training and you've been stacking your training cycles, it's absolutely something that's totally realistic. Um, and week three, you get hurt. You have seven weeks to go. And Berlin is the third Sunday in September. So you come back on September 3rd and Berlin is September, it was September September 24th. 24th, Yep. Yeah. So you had three, basically like three weeks to go. Yeah. So I basically, I biked, I don't know if you've ever heard of like a Tabata class in Peloton which is basically interval training. It's like 20 seconds all out and then 10 seconds recovery. So I used to do the Tabata classes, which I credit pretty much all my fitness to from it. I would hammer like two to three of them a day. And I, that drew a lot of criticism as well. Like just through social media, like people are like, there's something like wrong with this man. Like, why is he doing this? This is overtraining just as much. Which it probably is overtraining on a general scale, but I was just so focused still on trying to like run a good time in Berlin and just get healthy for Berlin that I just looked at like whatever needed to be done to stay at my level of fitness was going to happen. So it was definitely a uh, a crazy biking experience. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely tough when you are consistent and you're running so much to just have like a hard stop in that. And like to go from running like 90 mile weeks to absolutely nothing. Um, what, 
lessons did you kind of learn from this injury and from the prep itself? You had three weeks in the beginning and you had three weeks at the end. Um, what were kind of like the most important lessons that you learned throughout the course of I the learned never week? one is never to take running for granted because yeah. I mean, there is definitely in the beginning of that Berlin prep and even before it started where I was like, oh, it's 5 a.m. because I run early in the morning. I got to get out of bed right now and do this. Like that love for running, it never is lost because I truly do love it every single day, but it definitely became more mature than like a privilege to do every day. So I think like finding that love again, which I'm Mm. back at now and like I got when I got finally cleared to start running, it was just like unbelievable. But secondly, it was just like, not letting the injury define me and like Mm -hmm. knowing that like if I can stay positive and like how many other people are out there that are injured as well and I think that's what kept me going was I would receive countless dms every day from people saying like hey I'm dealing with shin splints I'm dealing with this I'm dealing with that right now thank you for putting a positive light on this I'm cross training right now we're going to be okay and seeing I wasn't alone with it and there's so many other people that one maybe I was helping they were helping me because I was getting DMs from them, even not knowing them, like knowing like, all right, like, let's keep this going one more day, one more day, and just ticking it off day by day, survive in advance, like I was saying before, getting to fully healthy, or at least cleared to run. Absolutely. What did you take away from PT? And what have you incorporated what have you incorporated in your training now that's different from before you were injured? Definitely way more stretching and mobility stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing like a ton of Pilates and stuff at PT and just like really activating muscles that I probably never activated before. And just like, yeah, the whole dynamic stretching, warming up before I run, all of that stuff. Because I was using the, um, the Alter G treadmill at physical therapy as well so like I was running I started out at like 60% body weight and then we worked it all the way up to 100 so that was another big milestone throughout the month like each day we'd go on and I remember the first day I went on for like five seconds and I was like can't do this and like slowly each day getting like smaller wins and being able to run for longer and longer I think it was like two minutes was the first time Mm -hmm. I started being able to run with like slight not as much discomfort and then getting up to like two miles on the alter g at 100 percent was finally like my graduating point so i think just time to like understanding right like warming up takes extra time i need to be outside earlier to warm up and cool down like i usually am rushing out the door to get to work so i finish the run and i'm immediately jumping in the shower making breakfast i need to like have that extra time to cool down to let my body recover a little before I'm on to the next thing. Yeah, it's really an important piece to training. And it's something that I know I was in the situation too, of like, just going out for a run, not stretching before, after I still struggle with it. Um, But I know the older I get, the more important it is. And I've really focused in on like, the mobility piece, because that's a huge piece also to staying healthy and staying loose and being able to run high mileage or higher mileage or peak mileage. Everyone's going to be so, so different in terms of how many miles a week they're running. Um, You know, Maddie has like 
huge base, huge foundations, and his body seems to be able to handle high, high, high mileage and is able to do that. Now he has some tools in his running tool belt to be able to run higher mileage and stay healthy, which is a huge win. And I'm a big believer that anytime you have like an injury or a setback, like you did taking a month off or cross training on the Peloton, like it really does propel you forward because you end up like flowing through it and coming through it as like a stronger athlete. Now you're using muscles that you've never used before. You have a warm up and cool down routine, and it's only going to make you so much stronger. So I want to jump into, uh, back into Berlin. I'd love to hear, um, and I'd love for you to share what your goal was kind of going into that. Okay. Now we're at September 3rd, you're getting back to running. What was your conversation like with your coach? What were you thinking you were going to do at Berlin? What was kind of the goal? And on a scale of one to 10, how nervous were you? <laughs> Probably like infinity. But so, yeah, I got back into running December, or September 3rd, and I was still like very weary because I wasn't in pain, but it was like one of those things where like you go out for a run and like that's all you're thinking about is like, when's the pain going to happen? Like it's going to pop up, it's going to hit. Yeah. And like it never did, luckily. So like we slowly worked back. I remember doing like two mile easier on three mile easier runs, and we slowly got back into it. And then it was 10 days before the goal the whole time was just to get to the start line. And that was the goal yeah. from August 2nd when I got hurt. I was like, we, if we if we can't run 250 to this prep, like we'll do it at another time. Let's get to the start line. I was like, we already have everything booked. I want to get that medal. I want to get that star, get to the start. Let's have a great time doing it and just being able to run healthy. That was the goal from August 2nd. And that's what I went into it looking at. And then about 10 days before I was like, I need to put on my alpha flies. Like I haven't put them on in months now, <laughs> like, and I'm going to wear them for the race. So like my PT cleared me to put them on because they were still weary that like the carbon could affect like my feet and just the injury. So I got yeah. like clearance from like three different doctors for it. And we're like, All right, we're going to run six miles at like 650. We called it at the time, which would have been like my old marathon pace. And I went out and I just felt good. Like I ran like 635s, like really feeling fine. And then I remember I texted my coach that night and I was like, I think we just go for it. And he was like, I was like, let's tell nobody though. Like, let's just keep it between us. Like I told nobody, like not even my best friends. I was like, I'm just going into this, like with no stress whatsoever. I had no idea what to expect one. So I was, and then, so like that was in the back of my head from 10 days out. Like, I think we could have a special day or we could have like an epic fail and it could still be fun. So Going to Berlin now, it was, I flew out Thursday from Tampa and I had a connecting flight in Newark, New Jersey, and then to Berlin. So I ended up getting to Berlin on Friday morning after like a 13 hour travel day, which was just brutal to begin with. I can't sit still mm -hmm. for more than like five minutes and I had to sit on a plane for eight hours. <laughs> It was just, it was tough. But we, so we got to Berlin early Friday morning. And when I say like, I was culture shocked, I was culture shocked. Like, I guess I don't get out of the house much, or at least I don't get out of the house over <laughs> much. 
because I got here and I was just, I was out of my element. I, I couldn't read anything. Now I knew I wasn't going to have, I, I didn't buy like the phone service, which you're talking to someone who's like updating his Instagram story every five minutes. So I have no service wherever I am. I can't read anything. And all I want is water, which you have to buy water in Germany or just in Europe in general. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to buy water and I just continue buying sparkling water because I can't read anything. So I'm just spending, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just spending all of my money on sparkling water and I'm so frustrated. I'm tired. I'm jet lagged, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is what my week's going to be like. Like, this is awful. So we, I got through customs. I like, I hired a driver to come pick me up. I finally found her. Luckily, she spoke a little English. So we had like a little conversation, but still it was I'm just out of my element. I get to the hotel and like, I just am, I need food, but I can't find food. So I'm eating bagels that I bought in Newark airport for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So my first meal in Germany was three plain bagels. So I guess I carboloaded correctly. <laughs> but so I, I get there and long story short, I did the expo and the expo was very cool. I mean, it was very different than a, U.S. race, just in the aspect of the crowds and the way they organize it. I mean, you go through like six different lines to get like you get like an athlete wristband and then you go get your packet and then you're all over the place. But it was a very cool venue. It was like an outdoor an old airport. So cool venue, indoor, outdoor expo, which was very nice. And then I did like a two mile shakeout run. And at this point, like, I'm so miserable, I need to go to sleep. So I ended up going to sleep with the six hour time change. I think it was like three o'clock their time in the afternoon. And I woke up at like, eight o'clock the next morning, and I just felt so refreshed. Like I slept for like 15 hours. It just felt so good. And That's I, incredible. I was like, all right, like, this is gonna be a better day. And it was like, from that <laughs> moment on, the trip was great. Like I had one bad day and like, that was it. Like, so Saturday morning, I went to the tracks for the shakeout run and I got to meet and see a bunch of great people. Did like a nice three mile little run. And then Saturday, oh, then I did some sightseeing with my girlfriend. Like we, we walked around at this point. I was like, I want to like get my mind off of the race as much as I can. So like, I was like, if I'm sitting in my hotel room, I'm just going to be thinking about the race like the whole time. So I tried to like get out and like do things and see things, which I mean, isn't the smartest idea because I was on my feet a lot. But again, I was like, there's nothing for me to lose because my goal was just to get to the start line healthy. And I think I'm healthy. Like I really had no idea if I what was going to happen still. I was like, I hope I'm healthy. I'm sorry if you hear a train going by right now. There's <laughs> a lot going on in this place. I want to dive in a little bit to kind of what you're talking about as as the train makes its way through. Um, <laughs> because I think I think there's a lot there that like people can take away. Um, the majority of the time, we're traveling for races. Obviously, you know, a lot of times it's within the U.S., Traveling outside of the country is definitely a unique experience, um, but things don't fall into place perfectly when we're traveling for a race as they do you know, throughout a training cycle when you can kind of control all of the variables. So 
you know, the fact that you were able to, you know, yes, be frustrated by it, you know, I would be too, but ultimately make the most of it. And I think that it, it goes back to what happened during your training cycle, dealing with an injury and just being grateful that you were there and you were healthy enough to be able to run that marathon. You knew that you wanted to be there for more reasons than simply running a PR. And by tapping into that gratitude, you were able to not only have an amazing experience, but also, as I'd love you to dive into, you ran a PR. <laughs> yeah, so I think it was just one of those like Saturday night, I just got hotel room service. I ate some pasta, which luckily it was pasta and red sauce, like not some crazy German meal and went to bed. And then I woke up Sunday morning and I was just like, one, it was so the race, it's six hours and the race starts at nine. So that's 3 a.m. our time, which I'm usually a morning person anyway. So really the time change wasn't affecting me. But I met up with one of my best friends who was also running the race and we walked to the start area together, which another crazy aspect of just like an international race is we got there 90 minutes early and we were the first two people in the whole place. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody's there. Like, so we're sitting at the start corrals looking at each other like this is a major marathon. Like we didn't get a memo of this. <laughs> and then like 40 minutes before the race, people start rolling in. So I, I guess we didn't get the memo that you don't show up early, but I guess you just show up right before the race and you head out. They don't close the start corrals, so it's never like a corral is like if you're not in at a certain time, you can only people are walking into the corral like a minute before the gun goes off. It's uh it's definitely an experience that you have to uh have to see. So going into it, I was in corral B, which I was happy with because I was still close enough to the front that I wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be like a complete chaos to get around people. But the whole race is in Ks. So I made the decision like the Saturday before that I was going to like manually lap it 42 times. That would just help me like one, stay focused on my watch and to like where I am. And I think that played a huge role for me because I knew I was going to have to run between 410 and 413 per k for like a 258 i think it was which came to it would have been a pr because my pr is a 258 45 so i think we put in like 258 as the goal time for a pr and the gun went off and i just ran the whole race by myself had my music on i was just like listening to music enjoying the vibes and i got to the halfway mark at 128 like 04 and I was just like, oh my gosh, like today could be really special if we can just run another half like this. I felt super strong. The only issue was another thing with like an international race was the water was every 5K instead of like every mile. So I was mm -hmm. like dying of thirst every mile. Like I would get water and then I would be like a mile and I'd be dying. Like I need more water. I still felt really good. I kept my like strategy of pacing. I was pacing between 4.10 and 4.13 the whole race. I was taking a gel every 5K, which is what I planned on doing and I do for all races, which I find works great for me. It, my stomach can handle it. Um, the crowds, I would say it was very similar crowds to like the Chicago Marathon. 
Um, it's not like your New York City crowds or like I've never run Boston, but like can see from like the videos and stuff. It's not like your Boston crowds, but still like definitely high energy, high crowd levels for a major. And the weather was beautiful. We had like a 50 degree day, um, no wind. Uh, it was like overcast and the sun came out towards the end of it. And the course is just fast and flat. So I think it's a great course to just go and run your heart out and run for a PR. And that's kind of what I did. I got to the halfway point, like I said, at 128. And I was like, we can do this again. That will be a PR for the day. And I felt really good. Usually I've hit walls in the marathon at 30K. And I remember hitting the 30K mark and being like, I feel okay right now. Like, is when when am I going to hit the wall? And I never hit the wall. And this was the first marathon that I ran through the wall, I guess we can say, all the way to the end, all the way to the finish with no, um, no pain. And looking back on it, like my coach and I, we credited a lot toward, to that high mileage. I think we finally like trained my legs in the winter and the spring to be able to handle the marathon distance. And just, I think my body grew as a runner in that period. So that's what we credit the not bonking to when I usually do yeah. bonk at like 30K in the marathon. Yeah, which is around mile like 18. 18. Yeah, 18.6. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's like you found, you kind of cracked the marathon code on like what's your threshold and riding that line. Cause that's what it's about when you're going for sub three or you're going for a sub 250 it's like you have to ride a very fine line it, there's not much of a progression that can happen and you found it and that's amazing and you're fueling really well which I think has maybe a little something to do with it but were you fueling with a gel every 5k at Chicago too last year kind of I mean this was definitely the best I've ever felt in a marathon uh Chicago yeah. I didn't feel a hundred percent but I also wasn't, I didn't know enough about nutrition back, say, a year ago mm -hmm. in Chicago. Like, yeah. I was using Huma Gel back then, which nothing wrong with Huma Gel. I love the brand. Just, I really find the Morton products work incredible. I've been yeah. using, like, the drink mixes, and they actually had drink mix Morton on course, which was incredible, and gel on course, which was really cool to see. But I find that those gels, like, you don't have to take them with water, help a ton. And once you can get past that, like, consistency and texture of them, because they are kind of weird, they've definitely worked yeah. the best for me. So, yeah. yeah, I wasn't, I was probably taking a gel every, like, five miles in Chicago. And mm -hmm. I really stressed taking them every 5K in Berlin just to... Even I remember getting the 35K and I grabbed an extra gel and I remember like trying to get down as much as I could of it, even though like you have that feeling of like, I'm going to throw up like this, but knowing like I just have a 5K left, I'm going to need something. Let me fight this down. And uh, yeah, I probably did not look pretty doing it, but... I think okay. if you've ever run 26.2 miles, you know exactly what Maddie is talking about. Like, you know, that feeling I had an athlete run Chicago in, in her race strategy prep call with me. She's like, okay, so if I take gels, like this is my plan, you know, I'll have like maybe two, two and a half miles left to take a gel. Like at the very end, should I do it at mile 24? And I'm like, yes, take 
the gel, always take the gel. Even if you're like struggling to get it down, just take whatever you can take. Cause it's such a big needle mover. And Megan Featherston was on the podcast last month talking about nutrition for, um, for athletes and runners and marathon specific tips. And that was one of her, um, one of her best practices of fueling well, feeling often, and, um, and really taking that last gel question with the Mortons. Do you take the calf gel? Yeah. So I do three and three. So I'll do three calf, three, three regular. You take three calf gels in a marathon? Yeah. Three calf gels in the marathon. And then I I took an extra just regular gel 100 with me, but I don't take any caffeine before the start of the race. Okay. So I find that 300 milligrams is kind of like my limit and just the kind of the amount I like to take. (laughs) So yeah, I do. People think I'm crazy for taking three calf gels. Like it works for me. And I won't, I'll take the drink mix 320. So like my pre-race strategy is I'll have one of the Morton solid 225 bars, which is like 40 ish grams of carbs with one drink mix 320, which is like 79 grams of carbs. And then Mm. I front load it with two element packets. So there's 2000 milligrams of sodium in that Morton. And they say not to mix anything with Morton, but I find that it still works fine. So I front load all the sodium pretty much 48 hours out. So I don't need to be taking like salt tablets or chews during the race. I can yeah. focus on carbs during the race. So yeah. That I don't take any caffeine before or pretty much the day before. And then we just hammer, hammer gels wow. during the race. Yeah. I think that's incredible. It's such a unique plan, but it's also like every plan's unique, right? Like yeah. we all have our own thing that like that works for us. And I think the most important takeaway is that if you are still figuring out your nutrition, continue to play around with it in training, figure out what works, what doesn't work. You know, one Morton calf gel has a hundred milligrams of caffeine, which is more than a cup of coffee, right? A Starbucks cup of coffee is like 80, something like that. Um, so just put that into context and like slowly introduce it. I know some people, um, absolutely love it. I take a Morton. I only usually take one during the marathon, which is usually around mile 15, 16. Cause I feel like it starts to kick in around mile 20. And that's when I really want to have like that extra energy for the half marathon. I'm going to take it at the 5k on Saturday. So it hits at the halfway mark. And then I have about 44 minutes mm-hmm. of running. I love we'll it. see. It's so fun yeah. that like hear other people's race strategies and like yeah. strategies because I was in that same boat even a year ago, like not knowing what worked for me. And I remember like in a 20, this sounds so funny, like in a 20 mile long run, I took a gel every two miles just in practice, just to see how many gels I could take on my stomach. <laughs> just to, like <laughs> see what like that feeling would be like when your stomach finally gives out and what like my like gel threshold would almost be. And I think like doing like silly things like that, like helped me realize like, I, I, I know I can take five gels, six gels in a marathon and be completely fine. So, yeah, yeah. I usually carry eight to be on the safe side and then just kind of like, you know, if I have an extra one left over, that's great. Where do you put it's your nice. gels? So, um, pockets. Okay. So Tracksmith Lane 5 has five pockets. Um, and those, those work well. I'm wearing those for indie 
Um, or Lululemon has, um, they have like an aligned short with pockets that are wider and I can fit most of them in the pockets. And then I might carry like two of them and I don't mind carrying the gels, like, especially if it's like one or two, um, because you're taking them so frequently that it's not that long that you're holding them. Yeah. Okay. Good point. No. Yeah. yeah. I just get that question a lot, especially from female runners, like where they're holding their gels because yeah. If you don't have a good short that has like good pockets or good tight. Yeah. Like, it could become a hassle to have them all in like like a belt or something. Like that just is Oh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Pro tip from um Megan Featherston who was on the podcast last last month. She ran Berlin as well. She ran her A goal sub 250 and she said like now that we're getting into like colder weather and I did try this actually on my training run last weekend and it works. She slips her gels into her arm sleeves and I tried the Morton gels and they hold, they stay right in place and they're really easy to just pull up and like rip it open, take it. And you can fit like two or three on each arm. So that's a, a cool like hack. If anyone's racing a cooler race this fall or spring and you want to hold your gels in your arm sleeves. I've actually seen that from Bandit Running. Actually, has come out with sleeves mm. that have gel pockets. Oh, that's so, genius. Yeah, so I, maybe they took it from her, or maybe she helped on the idea. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is a uh, a really good idea. I never thought about just doing that in normal arm sleeves. So very good note. Yeah, I love it. So great. Um, okay, so you ran Berlin. You ran... Uh, Chicago the year before you are running New York. You've also run New York before out of those three major marathons. What can you kind of break down maybe the differences between the three and also like, why do you love major so much? I think I love majors just because I'm kind of like an adrenaline junkie and just like, love like, like just finding like the great atmospheres to race in and I think that's what always draws me back to like New York and I'm sure once I run Boston I'll be the same way like I just Mm. love atmospheres I love large crowds and I think that's what gets me going when I'm running so I've just been drawn to the majors because those are usually your biggest crowds your fastest most competitive people are usually running those races and I think that just brings like the best competitive nature and just my attitude out in but breaking them down new york is just one big party like it's one big block party i think they call it i think they even use that term where there's just people lining the streets having a good time drinking just like enjoying a great day in new york city while there's a race going on and the course is super hard i mean you go over all the bridges you hit all the boroughs and it's definitely not a pr course but i think it draws people to it because there's that energy that like when you get off of the bridge and you hit first Ave and there's 25,000 people just screaming, no matter if you're in first place or last place of the race, I think it's so special for every kind of runner that it just draws, it draws everybody. And it definitely draws my interest. Um, Berlin was unique because it was overseas. It was the first time I've ever raced anything international and just all of the little quirks and knickknacks of how like it was all in K's. The water was farther apart. No one showed up until 40 minutes before the race. Like I just found 
everything about it so unique and so different than what I'm used to. Um, I think Berlin is definitely the fastest major in the aspect of, they say Chicago is obviously super fast too, but in Berlin, you're not getting any sharp turns. Everything's on a roundabout because that's just like huge in Europe to begin with. So any yeah. sort of turn you have, you have that nice roundabout turn on it. So people really just never lose lose speed. And I felt that was a huge key. And Chicago, I love just because one, it's convenient. I mean, it's just a fast race in the US. It's nowhere near as much of a logistical nightmare to get to and to handle. But it's just a great race. I mean, you're getting a great atmosphere. I'd say the atmosphere is the same as Berlin roughly with crowds and the course is probably just as good if not a little faster if you have a nice nice cool day that is my breakdown of three that i've run so far i guess yeah do you have any interest of running the other three i definitely do i mean i obviously didn't get into boston for this year because i had to go with my chicago time from last year which was a 258.45 but it wouldn't even have mattered for this year even if I did submit my Berlin time because it was like a five minute 30 second cutoff or something like that so even my four minute yeah time wouldn't have gotten in but I feel like Boston for me I mean people are super upset over the time cutoff and I can see both sides of it but it just makes me want to work harder and get my time down and I think that's what brings me to like the sub 250 which was the original goal in Berlin like if I throw in a sub two fifty, I think it's a guarantee in for Boston. There's not gonna be over a ten minute cutoff. So it just makes me work harder okay. and know like, all right, like I'm twenty six years old. I have a long time of running hopefully left in me. And that day will come and it will just be extra special when it does come. And then London Absolutely. London and Tokyo, definitely my goal was to run all six majors, so they're definitely on the list. Tokyo, I mean after Berlin, we're going to have to sit that one out for a few years, maybe get a little more cultured and definitely, uh, definitely come in feeling definitely like I well prepared for this. But I could definitely see myself running London within the next maybe year or two because one, they speak English. So like, I'll be good. I'll be able to communicate. And I think that's my biggest, my biggest takeaway is if I can speak to other people in my language, your language will be okay. I can survive without a phone. The phone was hard, you get but your, at least I can talk. You can get your still water. And I can get still water. I mean, you don't realize how much you want water until you have to pay for it, too. Like, <laughs> so I spend more got, money on water than anything. You've got a, a cool story for the New York City Marathon this year. I know you're going to be um, attending and running that race again. Tell me a little bit about that. That's exciting. Yeah, so I'm going to be running it. My girlfriend watched me run my, it was technically my first in-person marathon back in 2021 when I ran the New York City Marathon. And she was never really into running, just watched me run. And she watched that race. And I think it just didn't, it like really inspired her to like see every walk of life cross that finish line that day. And she became and she got into running right at that moment, I think, which was in 2021 and said, like, one day I'm going to run this race. And we've slowly built up her running to where she is now. We ran a half marathon together last year and she's been training for the past 12, 14 weeks for this race. Like we did our first 20 mile, her first 20 mile run ever, which was a huge milestone. 
And yeah, we're going to run the New York City Marathon together on November 5th. I believe the date is two weeks from now, pretty much we're here. And I'm just running it by her side. So like I'm her personal aid station that day. I'll be holding the water, gel, whatever she needs. I'll be, uh, I'll be step for step ready to go. So it's going to be a super, super exciting day and just a day she's looked forward to for a long time. So I'm excited to make it uh, all, all for her. So That's cool. So I, I feel like it comes like full circle for you. No um, doubt. Just knowing, knowing kind of like, you know, your journey to get your first marathon, correct me if I'm wrong, but your first marathon was the virtual New York yeah, City so marathon. I ran right? the virtual because it was, can- yeah, because the New York City marathon was canceled in 2020 because of COVID. So I did the virtual New York City that year just because I was already running a ton and I was like, I still want to do the distance and there wasn't any in-person races back when I did the virtual so she drove around in the car for that one and like helped me with water and fueling and I had no idea I was wearing like I was wearing Hoka Rincons like no idea how to fuel like I maybe had one like Gatorade gummy bear or something at mile 12 like I was clueless but it made it all worth it. I finished in three hours, 59 minutes, and like, I don't know, 40 seconds. And I was like, I broke four hours. I was like, I'm never doing that again. And then look where we are now. (laughs) So yes, she's seen it all. Like she's seen my virtual, then she got to see, then I started understanding how to run and how to do everything. And I ran a great time, my first marathon, 311.18 at that first New York City. But I was still, I bonked a mile like 18 or it would have been a better thing. So she's seen it all. And she, I actually didn't coach her for this New York City prep. So I can't take credit for that. She's being coached by my coach right now. So if anything goes wrong, it's his fault, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they say, right? How has her, how has her prep gone? And does she still enjoy running? Oh yeah. I mean. She had a rough, say, start to the year. She was dealing with shin splints and stuff. But mm-hmm. once she got over that and started finding her groove, I think everything went smooth for these last 12 weeks. I think she really started to just embrace the long run. And we would long run every Sunday. And I think it helped a little bit that I was injured. So I wasn't running on at all in August. So I used to just take the bike. And I would bike next to her for those two and a half, three hour days. And we would just play music. And I think it just like, one, it brought us closer together, I'm sure. But two, just like really, she embraced like time on feet, which is the biggest thing, in my opinion, in a marathon, especially your first marathon, knowing that you could be out there for five, six hours and just knowing like it's the long haul, like play the long game. Don't live, live in each mile and just keep pushing. I love that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so good. And I just really think it it brings us back to the idea of gratitude. Like, there's so much more to this running thing than just the time on the clock. And uh, I think the more that we can lean into just being grateful for being able to do this, and the enjoyment of the act of running every single day or on a frequent basis, like, the results will come when we're able to lean into those things. That's kind of an open-ended question that I believe we got to on the first time you were on the podcast, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it now that you've gone through this injury, you're coming out on the other side of that and into another prep. 
Like, what are the things that you do to get the most enjoyment out of your running, no matter what stage of training or performance you may be in? I think just running with friends for me is the biggest thing. Like, I think finding those like-minded people, whether you know them in real life or they are just, say, social media friends, but seeing people accomplishing goals, going after goals just like you are, is a big thing but also finding that like close group of people around you that say are in your area that you can go out and run with who have those same ideas that you have where oh it's saturday night i have to go to bed at eight o'clock because i have a long run in the morning instead of like hey let's go out to the bar while we're training for a marathon is huge so i think having just like people around you who are also motivated motivates me and vice versa and then just now being healthy and starting a new prep it's just that gratitude of being able to run every day and getting to know like this could get taken from me again in an instant. I need to be smart with my running. I need to do the stuff that I wasn't doing beforehand a lot better. And this prep will go a lot smoother than the Berlin prep went. Yeah, absolutely. Remind us as we wrap up here today, um, what you're prepping for, what our audience can expect from you across social media knowing that you're so great at like sharing the literally day by day of these marathon preps. Um, I really enjoy following it. I think it's really inspiring. So what are you going to be training for over the next few weeks to months? I am going to be racing Mickey and Minnie at the uh, Disney marathon (laughs) this, uh, this January 7th, I believe the date is. And I'm going to try to run a sub 250, which was the goal. For Berlin, we still haven't accomplished that goal, so we are going to keep that goal and shoot for it. And then, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of I have a lot of races coming up in the uh, the coming months, but I guess we can save those as a uh, little teaser for maybe like another podcast. <laughs> That'll be so exciting! I've heard so many great things about the Disney Marathon and and running through like Disney World. And what are you like most excited about for that race? I think just running through all the parks. I mean, we live an yeah. hour. I live an hour away from Disney, so we go a good amount, like just to go on the rides, like do it all. And I think running through all of the parks when there's nobody inside. And just, like, the atmosphere of, like, I've heard there's characters on the course and, like, running through the castle and Epcot. It just is, like, one of those, like, full circle moments. I've been to Disney when I was a little kid. I go now. I feel like I just got to do it. Write it off. It's like a rite of passage. And I can say I'm the Disney Marathon. I mean, it starts at, like, 5 in the morning. You have to be in the crowd. Yeah four in the morning like yeah my serious it's definitely like all things that just sound like this should be like a fake race but <laughs> the opposite it. of berlin is what i'm hearing you say exactly of berlin. <laughs> yeah. so yeah looking uh, really forward to it and then my girlfriend's running the half marathon the day before so it'll be fun cool. to also spectate a disney race which will, this is my first like run disney weekend and yeah, excited just to see what it's all about because people rave over the Disney races. So I guess they I do. can be the judge if uh, they live up to this hype. Right. How many weeks out are we? Like 10? Oh, uh, like, yeah, this is week two of 12. I'm doing a 12-week nice. prep, but we're not going high mileage. So if you guys see me on Strava, still give me kudos. I do need the kudos for like the six, seven mile run still. Like every time Absolutely. it can't be like a 10 mile run, like we need 
kudos for the the smaller run. Yeah, yeah. Coaching hats on right now. Like you're gonna crush this race if you feel good because you've built up this high, high, high mileage for so long. You took rest recovery for a month. You raced a marathon, PR'd. You're going into New York, getting time on feet for twenty six point two at like you know probably something that feels pretty comfortable is my guess. And like, yeah, I think you're going to have a great day um, just based off of how consistent and how much you've stacked over the years. So it's really, I think, important for our listeners to know that, too. It's like if you are going through an injury, relying back on all the work you've done before. It's not going to go away. You're, you might lose a little bit of fitness. You might cross train and be able to hold on to a lot of it. And you're going to be able to most likely flow through and kind of have a breakthrough style season. So I'm really excited to see what you create in these next 10 weeks and documenting all the things at Disney. It's going to be great. Thank you. Matt, thank you so much for joining us again. You are in rare air as a second guest or a a second appearance (laughs) on the podcast. Um, And, and Hey, maybe you'll lead the pack with a third here in a few months. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, our audience, if you don't already follow him, follow him at Matty K Runs. He's an awesome follow, awesome guy, and uh, just hope that we all have a great week. Thank you guys for having me, and good luck in Indy. Let's go get two PRs. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks, Matty. Thanks.